What it is, what's up, gotcha podcast in the cut. Uh, the tell us this, a War Eagle podcast uh, for the day. And very fun weekend for the Auburn program as a whole. Hell, even in academic senses, commencement, um, graduation today. Shout out to everybody graduating. Um, I'm a class of 21 guy myself, but know a couple people graduating today and uh you know i don't talk to them too much so i don't have much to say to them but shout out to them all the same uh we're gonna get right to uh, athletics though and uh i would say this is probably going to be the most interesting auburn athletics weekend probably for the remainder of the the calendar the what, what do they call the sports calendar the sports calendar um we have a lot to cover, rumblings of a new head coach change, um, basketball leading, you know, kind of getting a stride uh, with about, I think, five games in a two-week span, something like that, starting today. Uh, and then the NBA, some NBA Auburn news. Uh, and let's hit all of those notes after the break. All right, so even though I personally – uh, the word I saw on the Auburn Uncovered podcast was malaise. I'm about as deep in malaise as possible uh, when it comes to Auburn football, but it's the money maker, so we're going to lead off with that. I have four points written for each of the aforementioned categories. Football, I would imagine, if you look at these points, probably the deepest and most impactful on the entire program as a whole. And I'll start with thinking probably the biggest point I personally believe Gus will be gone after what I'm hearing or have heard for um about pretty much just the Iron Bowl honestly uh people in the know uh, uh on this form that I post and people that know people in the know um seem to believe that a lot of dominoes fell uh, with the Iron Bowl and more specifically the comments made by Gus after the Iron Bowl and you know this I, I hope this is true because it goes to show you that you can't just say whatever um, and just get away with it Gus did it for eight years and people are like no oh, this is coach speak listen at some level coach speak uh, is more important um, when you have such a uh, tepid um, what's the one I'm looking for just shaky floor when it comes to recruiting the direction of the program uh, your trajectory versus your, your opponents sometimes coach speak matters I mean people are negatively recruiting against Gus actively every day and he's giving them more ammo than any other coach would probably do with the, you know I think we the comments essentially boil down to in a normal season, you know, four losses with about eight wins or so, a seven or eight wins would be okay. But that's the thing. It's not okay. <laughs> so I, I believe those comments also apparently infuriate a couple of boosters. Um, and I think some were, I guess, hanging on to this notion that the A&M win uh, or the A&M game would have mattered a lot. Uh, so going out and losing that, I believe didn't help very much. Listen, I don't think an A&M win, nor Mississippi State, uh, two touchdown win, you know, it's two and four, two and six, Mississippi State. I don't think either of those should really matter if you're losing your rivals by 30 points, and that's what your rivals pretty much putting their foot 
on the break for about an entire quarter. I don't think, you know, two burner games really matter that much against the room teams, but evidently they do, and at least one of them did, and I think losing that helped our case, the people that want to see progression um, quite a bit. I've seen a couple games, but I'm going to touch on those for maybe a future episode. Uh, I'm making them and then whoever we get, whenever Gus is officially let go, because I, don't, I do believe that Gus will be let go in the next few days. Don't hold me to it, but based on what I'm seeing, probably reasonable to suspect that. Um, whenever Gus is officially let go, I think I'll cover those more in depth and kind of see how I feel about them. But for now, just giving my thoughts on things. Number two, kind of coinciding. I was hoping for an Auburn loss. Um, I personally, you know, the Auburn Board of Trustees is just so ass-backwards, so incestuous, so cheap sometimes that I know you know you say cheap you know they gave God forty nine million dollar contract they have the money to have bought this dude out two years ago now obviously it would have been look stupid it would have been a bad look uh, yeah I get it last year hard to do it with the Alabama win and Bo being a freshman I get it but he should be gone by now there's no reason why he should still be on this staff he should be gone ASAP but I know you want to kind of keep appearances up whatever who cares but I think losing to such a futile Mississippi State team and this team looks bad losing to such a futile Mississippi State team would have gone a long way towards finally concreting that Gus is a nothing uh, head coach on this level this level being SEC not necessarily D1 but just SEC um, we didn't get that unfortunately but I think it felt like a loss to me at my points. Uh, saw nothing that looked impressive other than Tank. Don't have to say much more than that. Bo looked bad. Um, Seth got large. I mean, Seth's not good at creating separation as a receiver. Pretty big aspect. But there's some guys that also just don't create much separation for the most part. They rely usually on physical aspects and body control to kind of get off. And when the ball is put onto Seth as it was rarely done in this game, but as it was in a couple of times... Seth usually comes down with it more often than not. When he's and this was engaged, Seth. Seth was trying. He wasn't like just loafing around like he does some games. Just put the ball on him. Bo didn't even put the ball near him in a, in a few one-on-one times. So not much you can do with that. Uh, Schwartz, you know, Schwartz plays his heart off, man. Schwartz, he's probably going to the NFL. Um, I don't see why any team wouldn't give him a chance. Now you can say. Maybe we don't like the injury history, but the thing is, he's played this entire year while taking those hits. So you you would be more to be, to believe that the injuries from last year lingering. I think it was a, a finger or something like that. I think it was a entire hand. Matter of fact, you try to chalk that up more as an anomaly than the rule. I would think any team against Schwartz would love to have him. Still got a couple of catches. Kobe Hudson got a look on a slant. Wow. Um, offensive line was not good. Um, I'm not here to go piece by piece, but, you know, just as a whole, I think the defensive line looked okay. Uh, they probably been more pressure than they usually do, but front seven got home, uh, made the quarterback was not very good. Uh, it made his life pretty bad. And I think generally good coverage in the back end, although there's a, a, an amazing amount of drops. I, I, this is what happens when you have, like, your top two or three weapons, I think, leave. Uh, Kylan Hill alone probably been enough for them to, like, keep this game at least tied going into the last few possessions but just the lack of talent and it's Mississippi State's fault they have so much talent gone obviously they 
have one of the most reproachable head coaches in college football and one of the probably worst trajectories in the entire conference, if not the worst trajectory. Um, even, you know, Venerable is Sarah Fuller. And I take Sarah Fuller over like most of this team. Um, Mississippi State is bad. And they're going to get worse because the talent isn't going to get better. So they're pretty shitty. And for everybody who thought, oh, Mike Lee should be a good replacement for Gus, listen, you are an imbecile if you thought that at any point that Mike Leach was going to be a decent replacement for Gus. It literally made it even worse. He has even, wor- he has even less plays than Gus. And most of them, like, his scheme doesn't even make sense in 2020. He's, he's never won significantly. He, he's not good. Why would you think that he would, oh, he's fun and he's quirky? Yeah, that's why he wasted away in the Pac 12, because you're quirky. If you're not good, we already have a quirky coach. That is decent. We don't need. We didn't need even last year a quirky coach that never proved that he was an elite coach at any given point. Oh, because he takes Washington State and Texas Tech to historically bad colleges and makes him middling. He's great. No, that's not how that works. And I hope that people take that same premise and apply it to other, essentially lower power five, if not high group of five caliber coaches, and think to themselves. It's not a guarantee just because you take a bad program and make it middling that you're going to make a good program and make it elite. That's just not how it... Anyway, uh, last point of football. A waste of a season, a uh, few departures. Like I said, Schwartz. Uh, Seth is definitely gone. Um, I could see Mar transferring. transferring. Uh, he looks like a great running back that will probably not get much touches. Although one of the catalysts I had for saying that initially, which is about two weeks ago, was Armani Goodwin being committed? He appears to be very heavy LSU, so probably you know one less mouth that will be have to be fed. Um, I just don't see how we get more involved in, uh, with Shivers. They can't even figure out how to get like Shivers and touches. You know, if Tank is on, we can't figure out how to give Shivers touches. DJ is apparently I don't know what's wrong with DJ, but he can't get any reps. It seems like at least actually run the ball. Um, so I don't see how I don't see how Mar gets gets to eat anytime soon. So I could see him transferring, but we'll just have to see with that. Um, tight ends. I think all the tight ends will be back. I think Shanker might be a senior, but he'll he could come back. I think right. So he might come back. Uh, Stove could come back. I think he should with Seth and Schwartz leaving. I don't know if he would, but he seems to me to be like a guy who just loves college. So probably. Uh, offensive line, there's any major departure in the offensive line except I think no, Caleb Kim already left. Brahms is a, I want to say Brahms is a redshirt junior, but he might be a senior. I feel like he would probably come back too. Uh, offensive line, the entire anybody can come back on the offensive line should come back. Literally everybody should. Um, they would do well in another year of gelling. And the best version of the offensive line looks good. Like the version that had I think Keandre at. I want to say right tackle or the left tackle. With, with both tackles healthy before the Iron Bowl, that version is like a, I think a, a good SEC unit. Not great, but good. Um, it could definitely be better, but you know, it's, you're at you're at where you're at. Um, linebacker KJ Britt left. Um, Josh Marsh left. So they're gonna need at least two linebackers in the recruiting class, maybe three. Uh, I see Papo and McLean staying. I don't know why they would leave. Uh, cornerback, I think you just lose McCreary, maybe. McCreary, probably, like, from, like, I think we kind of thought of him, like, as a dark horse. He'd be, like, a 
day one prospect, maybe like a late day one guy. I think he's looking more like a third round guy, like middle third round to maybe lower third round. Uh, he had a great, you know, record this year against number one receivers, but I came against Devontae Smith, man. He, he would have to do a great bit of explaining to like kind of get people to understand like schematically Alabama just, you know, didn't use a rubber that game. But I don't know. Uh, everybody else on that defensive front that can come back should probably come back. That's it for football talk. Maybe we'll revisit football uh, when Gus is released. In my opinion, that'll happen. Uh, but no, the catalyst majorly should come from football anytime soon. Uh, if Gus doesn't leave or isn't forced out, uh, the recruiting class is going to be really bad. Like, there's, at best, it may be, like, scrapes 30s. That's horrible. To have, like, a, a year where you clearly look out talent on both trenches, and you only have a top 30 class. They, yo, um, on to basketball, where are we on time, 11 minutes in, okay, I like that, so, Justin Powell, serious SEC national, or serious SEC newcomer of the year, um, I think that should be one that we all kind of see, um, so this kid, uh, Justin Powell, I don't want to call him a kid, but, you know, I'm feeling old, so I'm calling people kids now, uh, Justin Powell, in my opinion, looks like the one of the best shooters like just in terms of shooting the basketball one of the best shooters that has come through Auburn um in Bruce Pearl's era at the very least <laughs> I mean his shot is just just pure to be honest with you I mean it, it's just it's, it's really hard to express to people how good it is mechanically like his feet are straight almost knocked my mic off his feet are straight his arms are kind of the, kind of the best his, his form just goes up down um it, it's not like compared to at the top of my head because i just haven't looked at it enough but it's always sound and it never i never see any kind of like lapses with his shot like sometimes with with harper um and harper was like the most accurate shooter of all time but i think what he got you was like what harper and bryce both got you was that they were just so dead when they were on and that they could hit moving like from anywhere like they didn't need to be stationary and get a shot off um to me harper's feet um kind of shaky sometimes like, he would sometimes just shoot kind of like just to shoot and like his feet wouldn't be set so he just kind of be throwing it up like all arm and with where he was shooting at in terms of like placement on the court that was kind of iffy uh bryce mechanically was pretty solid but um Something about his shot I had an issue with back two years ago. I can't remember exactly what right now. Well, not two years ago, but like going on two years, a year and a half, I suppose. Um, he had a pretty sound shot, though. Uh, I think with his height, it kind of made it tough because, you know, he sits three and he doesn't like get up too much. But he, he does have a pretty sound shot. He just doesn't doesn't get up too high, but it works. Um I think the only ones I could think of that people would want to hear about, which is like the 2017 and on, would probably be like maybe Dowdy. I think Dowdy had a, a decent jump shot, but nothing like amazing. Uh, I can't think of anybody. <laughs> I learned by Jamal Johnson for a second. I was like, nah, nah, that's not what you need to see. You don't need Jamal Johnson here. All right, so I'm just looking at Samir Dowdy's J right now. My thing with his was that he was always so slow. He kind of had like that, um, he didn't use much leg into his either. Like, it was a lot of arm in his shot. Um, he would like kind of, 
he, he drew power from his legs because like he would do like the bend in with his knees but it wasn't like much jump right it it was it wasn't a bad jump shot by any means don't get, get me wrong it was just it looked like he was like he was like charging up like like a kamehameha from dragon ball Z. that was his jump shot but if you look at his um his actual like and you can look on google and see it he didn't have a bad jump shot like it was just I don't know. It kind of weirded me out sometimes, but form straight. I guess the only thing you can kind of contend with is like his how much how much he's generating from his legs. I guess. Um, one thing about Samir that always gets me. This too much like the. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. it's it's a weird thing of mine that I noticed on him that I can't ever look away from it. But you know it's fine. So Justin Powell, right? Good from a. I, I wanted to call him Harrow. Um, before the season, like maybe like ceiling of hero before the season started because of just how fluid he was, uh, anywhere on the court. Obviously, you know, recent bi- recency bias, SEC bias, Harrow's the easiest white comparison for a player uh, of that, you know, pigmentation. But I really think that if you look at what he does going to the rim, he moves great off ball, he's a really good finisher, he has a mechanically amazing jump shot. There's some comparisons. The only thing about it is Harrow is a lot more of a chunkier two-guard that can kind of play three a little bit. While I would say Powell may be more reminiscent physically of a, a um, J.J. Redick, uh, where he's more fluid and do a lot more things off the ball. Like, I think Harrow can move off ball, but probably more as a threat on ball. I would say Powell, in my opinion, kind of like that. Uh, I think, you know, obviously he's doing most, most, of, his, most of his work on the ball here but if you look at him as a shooter off the ball he's like lethal i don't think i've i think i've seen him miss one off the ball three-pointer this entire year and he has a pretty healthy hefty volume of those so that's that's where i'm like kind of between reddick and harrow and these are like ceilings right these aren't like you know floors floors i don't know what he'd be like gracing out something like that <laughs> but still like, he kind of like has a lot of aspects of both reddick and harrow um he definitely like has better moves as far as dribbling than uh than Reddick. Reddick kind of just like Swift kind of understands like his his feet in terms of positioning versus whoever's going against him. That's why he kind of still move well for like a 35 year old. He's, 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 he just knows like how to move. He doesn't. He's not the greatest dribble. He can dribble, but he's not like he doesn't have like breakdown moves and like hedges or anything like that crossovers. But it kind of reminds me of Powell too, where he just kind of. He's a way better dribble, a uh, live dribble than than um, old Reddick. But he, you know, he kind of uses more like posture um, and just ball placement as far as when going up on layups and floaters. So I, I really love his game. Uh, Nine of thirteen from the floor as the primary point guard for thirty-three minutes. Four assists from three, four assists from the strike, uh, seven rebound, eight rebounds, and two assists. Uh, five turnovers, but I mean, versus 33 minutes as a two guards playing the one, I mean, that's pretty incredible in my opinion. Um, if we were in a spot, and I think everybody is at this point and looking at this guy, if we were at a spot where this guy could play off the ball, I, I mean, I just, I can't imagine how great he would be. Uh, he would just legitimately be like immaculate in terms of like percentages. And he's already like one of the best. I forgot what the statistic was. I had it pulled up on one of these platforms. 
but Powell's like statistics as far as shooting go, it's like top, like top eight-ish. Um, true percent. I think he's like true percentage, like number one in terms of his volume of minutes played. Uh, number one in true percent shooting and his raw shooting as well, I believe. So he's like just a sniper. And he's also good at going to the rim. Uh, I, I think we slurped up Powell enough. Uh, off-ball movement, really good. Guys definitely move a lot more off the ball than they did in the previous regimes. And I guess you can kind of chalk it up to like the previous two teams having these great ISO guards that kind of just can break somebody else off and just kick it, you know, kick out, kick the ball out to the ring, to the wing, or drop it off um, an alley-oop. And obviously last year it wasn't as good as far as alley go, as far as any kind of facilitating goes without Harper there. Um, but, you know, it was still there, you know. But not not really not really many off ball movement in, in aggregate though, not much off ball movement in aggregate. I'm gonna get that right. But this year, a lot more cutting. Uh, uh, I, you know the lack of ball vision between our point guards. Even Powell, you know, he can't he can make sound passes. That's what makes him what makes him, you know, good as a as the playmaker. He can make sound passes if he wants to. Sometimes I think the two guards are seeping in. He's more of a two-guard than a one-guard as a facilitator. He's not like a combo guard in the truest sense. Um, but he, I think the presses um, the presses that they brought, the traps and all that kind of messed him time to time. He didn't get to see a lot of the guys cutting to the rim. And sometimes when he did see him, he was like, I think his brain was just a little bit too fast as far as trying to be a facilitator. He would throw like alley-oops to like nowhere. Um, bad like hanging passes that just should be like straight up just chunk it when all you got in them, all all you got in you just chunk the pass and let the guy finish. Um, I I do think it's always easier with some of our role players that aren't great at handling the ball, just put in the air and let them catch it. But I don't think the chemistry is there, and with how close the game was, I didn't like that we kept on trying them. But you have to get that chemistry eventually with alley oops, and this is a core is going to be together for a long time. So it would be nice to have that, but I think a lot of times he probably should just pass it up and would have had a higher percentage of finishing the, the play. But off-ball looked great. Um, specifically, like, you know, your Franklins and your Williams and uh, Flanagan's guys cut to the rim a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more off-ball screens, not that much, but a little bit more. Um, I think Latin, as the game progressed, with a little bit more stagnancy as far as movement went, but I think, you know, when, when when you're in a situation where you're not getting rewarded with moving off ball, he tend to move off ball less. And I'm not saying that's something that will happen game to game, but it's just how the, a game usually goes. You have more tired legs, and you kind of don't see the rationale in doing so if you're not going to be paid off for it. It's just how the, the mind subconsciously works. Um, going from there to Paul's okay, but a great, our guard defense is not great. So, yeah, our guard defense needs a lot. Of improvement like it's i would say between powell uh jamal johnson and tyrell jones tyrell is solid um he bodies a lot which you know his stout body so kind of works for him but i think he's got a couple of fouls off after that um in a few earlier games because of just bodying um but he's, he's a decent defender like he's not great jamal and Jamal has definitely improved from last year where he was just like absolutely unplayable on, on uh, the defense. He's 
trying, but it's not a, it's not great, but he's trying, you know. Um, Powell is not good on defense, uh, like just not, just not good on defense at all. But um, he seems to me to be somebody that has a frame that can kind of work. Like, I've seen it a couple times where like if he's just a guy that just kind of can't break him off the dribble, um, that doesn't have very deceptive dribbling moves. He can kind of use his body like kind of smartly. Um, he doesn't foul too often, so he, he's smart at using his body without like necessarily fouling. But a lot of guys can just kind of like, I guess, confuse him with any kind of hesitation or just any kind of moves. Really, he usually gets lost. And with how often our guys were gaming for blocks, uh, led to a few goal tens, a lot of foul, not a lot of fouls, but a good bit of fouls. Um, and with games like Gonzaga, where blowing the whistle a little bit more. Lets a lot more fouls. Um, so, you know, kind of... Until, like, our rim protection is better, you don't really want guys as being, like, let through ad nauseum, but that's where we're at right now as far as the guard defense goes. And, you know, just to... Not, not anything I have on my, my list, but just to, you know, flip it over to the other side. Um, Flanagan did great, I thought. Franklin did decent in his little minutes. Uh, Chris Moore... I don't, really, I don't really notice Chris Moore too much on the court. I just don't pay attention to him very often. But he worked. I mean, he works hard on defense. He works hard on defense. Um, the winning guys are like, I would say probably, in my opinion, the strength on defense so far. They're not amazing. But, well, funny guy, I think funny guy is pretty close to amazing on defense. Pretty close. The other guys are like sound on defense. Uh, Williams is trying his best out there. When you get to like the fours and the fives, I feel like it's just it's not enough mentally uh, yet for them to be considered good defenders. But they're trying. Uh, when JT starts timing his blocks better, he's going to be a problem when it comes to rim protection. If he can just time those blocks a little bit better, and kind of same for stretch. I need stretch needs to like kind of just we use his body a little bit better, and I, by body I mean length, because obviously his frame he cannot stay with sissy um, at all really, but his 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 um wingspan should lead him to be better defender or at least a better rim protector than he is currently but he's not bad he just kind of could improve and just finishing off on that good young team that will probably get a lot better going forward i believe that to be a truth they should be a four and one if you had any kind of other point guard other than just on the the, uh, the roster church cooper uh, be easily four and one in my opinion, and four and one going away, winning multiple of these games by ten plus points. The one that wasn't won by ten plus points, I think it'd usually be in a better spot. And then just kind of curve off here. Uh, NBA Isaac Coral looks like a legitimate NBA starter already. He still has a very high floor. I think it's incredibly uh, amazing how lazy the um, the cap the coverage is for for this level for for draft prospects like literally everybody i saw and maybe it's me just being biased maybe that's why i don't believe it but i saw a core for an entire like year i saw him you know come out of high school a little bit this guy isn't somebody that is a non-shooter like he doesn't shoot often okay but within the scope of his offense i mean yeah there's some games there's quite a few games where i feel like he could have took more shots um, I just don't think he had like necessarily the greatest feel for when to shoot versus just not having like a great jump shot. People say he had like a pretty much like a, a like, like a bad jump shot, like a legitimately bad jump shot. He needed like 
legitimate repairs and stuff. It's not. You can look at it right now. It's not a bad jump shot. I'm look. I'm really watching these highlights right now. It's not a mechanically bad jump shot. It's just was one that he just he didn't have a good idea of when to shoot. And I think if he played a second year in college, he would have been a completely willing shooter, uh, especially with how often he moved off the ball. He had quality shots very often in the season. Um, you kind of need to be more aggressive scoring, period. There's like quite a few stories about him just not being a very aggressive scorer whatsoever. Uh, but he definitely appears to have repaired that um, in, in the NBA. Talking about aggression, we have um, Chuma Okiki. Well, it's a miraculous story, really. After one of the... Probably one of the most poorly timed um, injuries in college basketball history. Uh, maybe the best player in the NCAA tournament in 2019. Um, got his first play since then in this Atlanta game in Atlanta for the Orlando Magic. Um, I need to watch most of his time on the court because I like watched the first half. I was sleepy. I was like, I don't want to watch any more of this game. It's preseason. But he finally came in towards like the back half of the third quarter. I think the early fourth or something like that. And... Um, apparently gunning he had like i guess eight jump shots something like that like eight i think he's taking like three eight from the floor uh which is i mean just the eight jump shots in my opinion is encouraging three three of eight from the floor two of five from behind the three-point line and one of two from uh, the stripe that's amazing in my opinion i mean eight jump shots in the fourth quarter that that's not that wasn't true before like the last, the second last month of the 2019 college basketball season, he didn't put up shots, and that was his biggest flaw. He just wasn't aggressive on offense. Uh, once he became aggressive, he was a very well-rounded prospect. And you know, playing the four right now, I'm seeing him move off the ball, um, defending. Oh Jesus, what is this? What is this alarm? Anyway, <laughs> I'm seeing this guy. <laughs> um, you know, like. Bigs are just losing him. He's he's like a three in my opinion in terms of fluidity. He's like I think six eight, so you can kind of play the four, but he's a way more fluid than any four or most fours you'll see. Like he's kind of like that Justin Collins mode, which is you know he played Justin Collins, so it's kind of cool. But he's way more fluid than most fours, and you know nowadays fours are like kind of like what threes were for a long while. Um, so I I, like, I love Chuma in terms of matchup ability. Um, honestly, his jump shot looks just as good as it did in his best moments in Auburn. He was a, he had a good jump shot in Auburn. He just didn't... Again, he's another one just because of his lack of aggression where he kind of just didn't have a good touch on when to shoot. And uh, he definitely fits that up today. He got... Not today, but yesterday. He got quite a few um, weak side um, open threes. Which just... I know really the relevancy of that is that he knows how to find spots. And he did in Auburn... Uh, especially in his second year, but, you know, to just be able to show that in your first game that you kind of know how to, you know, kind of float to the um, the point guard. All right, sorry, I, I cut off there. Um, like my, I use anchor.fm and it just had a, you know, time of 30 minutes. I didn't know I was talking for 30 minutes, but I can go on for another. <laughs> I guess I can't. Uh, I guess I could go on normally for another few minutes about Auburn, but. I was just closed with saying how cool it was that the Auburn basketball team went out an entirely different era. We had to see Chuma support him in that game. That was really cool. Um, fun weekend for Auburn athletics. Uh, I think 
we'll see a lot of booms, <laughs> tongue in cheek for the next few weeks, over the next few weeks. And I think people will be very satisfied with the next few, um, with, the, with the direction of Auburn athletics going forward. Stay safe out there. Wear your mask. Believe in science. Um, and where are you, man? Oh, yeah. Make sure you, you like, if you can, like, share. If you can, share. Rate if you can, rate. Um, and spread the word. You know, we're, we're, we're doing some fun things over here.